0: and welcome to season two episode nine of picture the scene with me rachel
1: and me andrew
0: guys he's done one week of the patreon and he's already forgotten what we do when we open up our pod
1: i know it's shocking forgive me
0: shocking and as you'll have guessed by now then we've switched our roles this week so you've got me for the pod episode and andrew taking on the patreon episode um and we've actually just recorded that that was that was cool we did um we did an episode which I'll let Andrew talk a bit about, but right at the end, we had a bit of a, a discussion as well, a bit of a debate. Um, didn't necessarily see eye to eye on some things, but no, um, that was a really good uh, Patreon recording for, for December. Andrew, do you want to just cover, um, give our listeners an idea of what your case was about?
1: Yeah, the case is about, um, it's commonly known in two crime circles as the Twilight Killers, it's the youngest double. Murderers in the UK, um, Lucas, or Stan is his real name, but he, uh, he's called Lucas, Stan Lucas Markham, and Kim Rose Edwards, they um, they committed some murders together.
0: Nasty, nasty children, hey? Yeah. Not something I was expecting to say before 6pm Watershed on a Tuesday evening, but there you go. Um, okay, so how have you been since you last got up?
1: Sparkling. It's been super busy (laughs) at work, but yeah, sparkling.
0: Good, sparkling. Just like my earrings.
1: Oh yes, Rachel's earrings are immense people. Is they she it's like it's like if I was a cat, I'd be wanting to attack them because cats like tinsel. Like And tinsel guys, yeah. Big and tinsel, yeah. Yeah.
0: bit 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 of fun, hey. And it is um I was reminiscing about us recording this time last year, um, our Christmas episode which Pretty sure Andrew put some like jingles um over our normal intro music. So uh, so I thought today I'd bring a bit of Christmas to um the second year of our Christmas recording. You'd be glad to know it's not Christmas case though, don't worry. I didn't no. go all festive on it.
1: And I won't be putting any jingles over it either, because I don't um, have the time.
0: Oh, well, it shows yeah. you how important this is to you, hey. <laughs> um okay, listen guys, no, in all honesty, Andrew does all of our editing. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for the time you just put into the podcast. So please forgive me. Um, OK, uh, well, this is a true crime podcast. The listener caution is advised. I'm giving a general warning today as it's a pretty horrible case, which I'll be taking you through. But there's also a small reference to child sexual abuse claims um, pedophilia um, made later on. So in case you want to, now is your time to switch over to one of our earlier episodes and be none the wiser about this terribly sad case. Um, so, Andrew, are you ready for some true crime?
1: I am ready for the true, some true crime, yes. Although, just, a, just kind of side the caveat. My dog's just eating. He's just come next to me. He tends to like burping after he's eating. So if you hear any burping people, it's not me. It's the, wow. my, my wonderful, loving, hairy beast.
0: Aren't you guys lucky to be listening to us on this wonderful evening? Um, Okay, well, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like all of you to relax, to close your eyes, and to picture the scene. I'm taking you back to the evening of the 6th of August 2021, to Colville in Leicestershire, nestled in the East Midlands of England. It seems to be a very quiet and uneventful kind of town, mostly known for its coal mining, who'd have guessed? But interestingly, there's a a shit ton of churches there too. Uh, But we're not here to talk about any of that, thankfully, today. So let's get back to the case. And on the 6th of August last year, the sun set at around 20 to 9 that evening. It was a pretty warm and pleasant summer's evening, despite flood alerts that had been put in place across England just earlier that day. And there were frequent and heavy thunder showers expected in pockets across the north and the west of the country. But the weather had actually been quite mild in Leicestershire, reaching a comfortable 18 degrees Celsius in the mid-afternoon, approximately 64 degrees Fahrenheit. And the weather looked promising for the weekend ahead too. So as the working day came to an end and commuters began their trek home, two colleagues at Ibstock Brick Factory in Colville were busy making plans to catch up later that evening. Throughout the day, Megan Newborough, a 23-year-old human resources advisor at the company, had exchanged a number of flirtatious text messages with her new boyfriend and fellow employee, 30-year-old Ross McCullum, who worked for the company as a lab technician. By now, the pair had been dating for approximately six weeks, and they were comfortable enough to call each other boyfriend and girlfriend, which I'm not sure how you feel about Andrew, but I initially thought, Yeah. You know that was cute. Six weeks in, boyfriend girlfriend, but actually, actually, just reflect for a second. There's a seven year age gap, and they also work together, which I'm sure triggers some sort of like HR policy about that sort of stuff because Ibstock Brick Factory is a big corporation. So yeah, just just is wasn't she, sure.
1: She's twenty three and he's thirty. Yep. Yeah. So I don't think. The age thing is important. Um, you don't think so? We're not, a six-week relationship, yeah. though. Six-week relationship. Um, I knew, after the first date with my wife, that she was the one.
0: You romantic. Uh,
1: now, we got to know each other a bit first, but I knew that she was the one. Um so I, I, I can only use myself as a reference. Yeah, um, okay. But but I can see where you're coming from. It depends on the whole dynamic and the history of the people. So it can be dodgy, but it can also be perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, and just to caveat, I don't think a seven-year age difference is the, like, oh, my gosh, that's just awful. I think the fact that they work together. So no, that's
1: that's a big one. Here. Working yeah. together is not and good there's at a-
0: all. So, this is a seven year age gap, and the fact that they work together, then, yeah. like, wow, six weeks, that's pretty intense. Yeah. But no, actually, yeah. I,
1: I agree with you. They're working, if you put the working together a bit in, then yeah, you'd probably want to, like, yeah, you'd be wanting more dates and you'd be wanting to make sure that it's you're more compatible, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because if something went sour, you'd. Have to carry on working together, unless one of you was willing to give up your job, right? Yes. But anyway, um, tonight would be the first time that Megan would be visiting Ross at his home, just an 11-minute drive down the road from their office in Windsor Close, Colville. Megan, who lived a couple of towns over, set off from her home in Nuneaton, Warwickshire, at around 7.30, with a 34-minute drive to Colville. Megan was still only 23, as I've mentioned, and therefore she was still living with her parents. Um, now, interestingly, she'd had an offer accepted on a property and a mortgage approved. So, quite uh, together, 23 year old, I think you might agree. You know, the fact that it's 2021 and uh, yeah, you've had your mortgage accepted and an offer accepted on a property. Not a lot of 23 year olds, I think, that could say that on their own they were, you know, ready to step on the um, housing ladder.
1: And especially, especially as well, extra kudos because. This was in the middle of COVID as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You are right. Yeah, middle of COVID. And, you know, HR advisor, not like, you know, she is just kind of middle, kind of um, entry, kind of level, not um, not like, you know, supervisor and
1: up, yeah. up the
0: ranks there. So yeah, fair, fair I think her. building a picture of, yeah, the fact that she's quite hardworking, obviously must have saved quite a bit as well.
1: I just totally want to change my answer. She was a HR advisor. Six weeks apart, any workplace relationship. No, that's just triggered that. I just. didn't. Yeah, yeah. no, that's,
0: that's kind of what I said, like, surely there's yeah. a HR policy. Um, yeah. You know, and again, don't want to judge at the end of the day and oh, spoiler alert here, but she's the victim. So, you know, absolutely, I don't want to pass any judgment on her, but just leaving that open to interpretation. I, I've, Yeah, I've, I did feel like six weeks was quite early to, to label yeah. that relationship. yeah as she was only 23 she did still live with her parents so she told them before she left the house that evening that she was off out for a walk with a colleague called ross and we'll be back no later than 11 p.m that evening and we've all been there haven't we you know we're living with our parents or um or living with somebody older than us who you know looks after us and only wants the best for us so we tell um you know a little porky about what what we're up to where we're going but I just felt you know she told a couple of lies before she left the house first off you know she's off out for a walk that's definitely not where she was going she was going to her colleague's house um and actually yeah her boyfriend's house but that off for a walk that's just very specific to get you know into and then you know why didn't she just say a catch-up or a drink if it was just casual um and then secondly like She did say a colleague, she didn't say a friend, she didn't say boyfriend, whereas they had apparently labelled the relationship with one another, so why wasn't she comfortable enough to announce it to her parents? It just gave me the impression that she wasn't quite convinced about him, maybe, in some way.
1: Possibly, yeah, quite possibly, or it depends what her parents are like. Um, It could be that side of it, yeah. Or she might have just also known that, for someone working in HR it was wrong to and her parents would have probably said but you're in HR yeah so she knew it was wrong
0: absolutely so you know I thought as well there was potential that maybe he had framed their relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend and maybe she really didn't but who knows Possibly. I
1: have no idea where this case is going and when you say she's a victim I thought she was going to be the criminal so oh. um so, anyway, yeah, quite possibly.
0: Yeah. You're right, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so, unfortunately, we'll never find out why she lied to her parents, as just 90 minutes after her parents bid her farewell, Megan Newborough would be dead. And over the next 48 hours, a desperate hunt to find her body and her killer would ensue. Wow. So, the truth of the how, the what, and the why of this murder never quite fully unfolded during the trial of Ross McCullum, which only concluded last week. But there was plenty of information available, and yeah, I thought we'd just dive into what um, was claimed to have happened on that fateful night, and how Megan's Killer was finally brought to justice uh, last Friday, the 16th of December,
1: 2022. Wow, it's really fresh.
0: Yeah. Okay, so for now, I'm going to take you back to Friday the 6th of August. Megan arrived at the McCollum family home just after 8pm that evening where Ross's parents hadn't long left for a night out and so the pair had the house themselves. According to Ross, they spent the first 15 to 20 minutes just talking really and filling awkward silence and exchanging looks at one another. Ross would later claim that he felt awkward throughout the duration of her visit, wishing he'd actually asked her to leave shortly after she arrived. However, not long after this, the couple had started to engage in sexual activity. In his original statement to the police, Ross confirmed the pair had fooled around and that Megan left shortly after at around 9pm heading to McDonald's before her 30-minute journey home. But this is a true crime podcast and you guys must know by now that Megan never made it home. And by midday the following day, on Saturday the 7th of August, her parents raised the alarm and a missing person inquiry was launched. The case quickly flipped into a kidnap inquiry later on the same day when Megan's brother managed to track her mobile phone through the Find My iPhone app, which had been thrown into the bushes by the roadside. Things just didn't add up, and it didn't take long for the police to hone in on a prime suspect, the colleague that Megan had told her parents about the night before, and potentially the last person to see Megan alive. As it's such a fresh case, and all over the papers at the minute, I won't keep our listeners waiting. Ross McCollum was absolutely guilty. But as the police closed in on him, he spun a web of lies and made some big mistakes along the way in trying to cover his tracks that evening. But luckily, and despite this, he didn't take it didn't take long for the police to uncover the truth. And he was arrested in the early hours of Sunday, the 8th of August. This was actually all captured on Body Cam and it's all available on YouTube, um, which was really interesting to watch. It's like shows like the modern day um, you know way that crime and perpetrators um are kind of coming about really um and yeah so ross actually quite quickly when he was arrested he quite quickly but very quietly whispering um his confession to the arresting officers that he had killed megan um and then quite quickly as well confessed where her body was um but just to give you the picture of ross McCollum, he was upstairs in his parents' house whispering because he didn't want them to hear. Like, you've just admitted to the police that you've killed a woman in that house and disposed of her body and your parents are going to find out, right? But you're whispering to the officer, you know, just that just so they don't hear in that moment.
1: Didn't you say... I've just had to Google him to see what he looks like. But didn't you say, um, I, I'm intrigued because, yeah, no, I agree. It's odd, like whispering when they're going to arrest him and take him downstairs past his parents anyway, and they're going to find out. And
0: let's be honest, if his mum's anything like my mum, she'd have had a glass to the wall anyway, and like, you know, trying to like listen what was going on.
1: I'm, I'm intrigued because I don't know this case at all. And you mentioned. Pedophilia. You mentioned that he spun a web of lies. Yeah, he just admitted to it straight away and told him where the body is. So I'm intrigued where you're going with this one, Rachel.
0: Yeah. um Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get into it then. Hmm. So Ross mccullum was charged with murder on the 10th of August and remanded in custody with his court case eventually going to trial on the 31st of October 2022, lasting a total of six weeks. Whilst Ross had confessed to the killing, he was only pleading guilty to manslaughter at trial. As according to his testimony, at the point the pair started to engage in sexual activity, Ross had tried to withdraw, but Megan pulled him closer to her, whispering the words, come here in his ear. And it was at this point he exploded with rage and pushed her forward with all my strength and throttled her. Her words had apparently triggered an episode of PTSD from his childhood where he'd been raped and abused, age 13, by all the children. So he claimed that this like loss of control had triggered those memories and of, of the sexual abuse and then then it spiraled in his head that he was afraid like oh god megan might tell her colleagues in hr about the, this instance um but more embarrassingly and more likely the prosecution kind of led um him you know down the path of well actually we believe you were impotent and because you couldn't perform that evening you killed her you know in in a blind rage actually not because of you know this this childhood trauma you claim
1: yeah i, I think I've, i'm thinking back to what you said a few minutes ago if he found it really awkward and he wished he asked her to leave why would he start then being intimate with it it's not like oh i really don't like this i really wish she wasn't here oh, where's that? Why, why, why are my trousers not on anymore? It's not, not going to happen, is it? Um, no.
0: And, and th- that's the thing, like, it it's really quite a crazy case. And I'll go on to explain, like, the web of lies. that Like, he tried to spin um, to, like, throw the police off the trail. But essentially, even though he was 30 years of age, he just, he was so naive. Like, you know. And in the first, like, 24 hours, again, on body cam footage he's just saying how concerned he is for her and how they were, they had plans to meet on the saturday and she's just not him or called him back and you know he's just yeah i will i will kind of dive into that a little bit more um as, as we go through this but the reason why i brought up the impotence which you're probably thinking that's added another layer to it so earlier that week ross had ordered some um tadalafil Tadal- I don't know if that's how you say it, pills. They're off the internet and they're used to treat erectile dysfunction. Um, so we'll actually cover that off a little bit later. But that's why the prosecution believed he flipped into that blind rage. Um, not that it had anything to do with Megan whispering something in his ear. So if Ross, if what Ross was saying is true, then what a truly awful thing to have happened. Like, you know, he has in a blind rage killed Megan because of um you know something triggered by something really awful happening in his past however i am afraid i don't believe any of it um because it's what Ross did after this episode that triggers like the lies obviously but also for me it's just really chilling um and it doesn't just it doesn't quite fit that narrative that he's trying to portray. Um, So after he strangled her, Ross went on to slash Megan's throat a total of 14 times.
1: Wow. Um,
0: And he, he quotes at this point to the police officers, it was to make sure she was dead.
1: That's rage, isn't it?
0: Yep. So he then bundles her lifeless body into the passenger seat of her Citroen C3. And he drives for approximately seven miles. And during this journey, he winds his window down and throws her phone out into the bushes on, on a road. Now, he made an error of not switching off the phone, which is how the brother was able to track it through GPS. But yeah, at the end of this journey, he disposes of her body in undergrowth just on the outskirts of Woodhouse Eaves in Leicestershire. Bought phone records show that before he set off on this journey he sends Megan a text message knowing full well she's lying right next to him dead in the passenger seat of her car which reads you are fucking amazing I really had fun tonight followed by a smiley face and three kisses okay then what the fuck
1: that's 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 premed to me that sounds like it's not premeditation but that's that's cold and calculated if if he had ptsd and he did something in a blind like panic or reaction when that disappeared when that stopped that would be replaced by guilt shame worry
0: concern worry, yeah. anxiety it, 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 it,
1: even even if he was motivated thinking i've got to hide this body he wouldn't be cold and calculated
0: oh no yeah, and he,
1: yeah.
0: he lived on it like i did some googling of where his house was you know streetlight neighbors yeah. he he must have been of sound mind to have placed her in in the car yeah on the driveway where she parked like do you know? Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. it gets worse, by the way. That that doesn't even skim for me. What what is the worst part of this case? But yeah, the fact that he's sat there saying, "I really had fun tonight." Yeah. Is that indicating what he's done?
1: Possibly. possibly or is he just, trying to cover
0: yeah. his tracks? Yeah. I I think yeah. you could get you could argue either way there.
1: Yeah, you could, you're right. It sounds to me like he's probably trying to cover his tracks, but yeah, you're right, you can't. There
0: could be be an underlying hint of enjoyment and, you know, thrill in what he's done.
1: Because maybe he did enjoy it.
0: Maybe. So, shortly after dumping a body, the Citroen is captured on CCTV arriving at Loughborough College car park at approximately 9.50pm. Ross parks the car and exits the vehicle and in clear line of sight of cctv which again has given us great evidence of his actions after the killing he spends the next 10 minutes removing his and megan's blood-stained clothes from the car and from his body and he puts clean ones on and so the fact that he has um Killed her in a blind rage, but then packed a bag of clean clothes that he can change into when he's worked out what he's going to do with the body. Blows my mind. But then, yeah, once he's put the clean clothes on, he methodically starts disposing of the evidence in several nearby bins. So, again, he's not just ramming it in wherever he can, or or anything like that, setting fire to it, quickly get rid. No, I'll put something in there, something in there, and then I'm going to walk a bit further and pop something in there. And he He's just calmly walking away. Like he's captured obviously on two cameras, one looking at the car park, where he's parked right in front of a camera, and then the other one where he's just like walking past the building and, and captured just walking away. So yeah, he's he's carried all these actions out in quite quick succession in the hour following her death. And I just feel like he's got he's of sound mind to have done all of these things. And just to add to it as well. Ross doesn't hold a driving license. Now, whether that means that he's had a license taken off of him or he's never pursued his driving test but has learned to drive, the fact that he has driven her vehicle, not been pulled over by police, parked in a car park, again, if you are anxious, worried, concerned, in in a state of panic and you don't fully know how to drive,
1: That up? No, it doesn't know, and it. No, it doesn't know, and it's. It it also indicates, it indicates that he's. I don't think this was premeditated, because, the fact that he, what in my opinion anyway, the fact that he. Didn't think about the cameras, and that shows that there's some level of thought he's going into trying to hide everything that he said with the clothes and the different bins and stuff. But, it sounds like he's thinking on the go as well so he's yeah. hasn't thought about those extra things which is why i think possibly if it's premeditated they'd have probably picked a better place to dump the car and the clothes and whatnot
0: well yeah maybe maybe i think there's an element of him having control of the situation you're right yes. he obviously hasn't scoped the area of CCTV, so that has been a little bit slapdash but He's had enough control to pack that bag oh
1: no no I, I think he's got control, and I think I'm not even doubting that he probably had fantasies about killing anyway yeah. he probably what probably helped push him over the edge was that it's probably something he had some sort of desire to do anyway mm-hmm. I don't think probably from what you're saying he intended to kill her that evening no Right, but if it, okay. if it happened, then I'm not obviously. I, yeah, it's definitely cold and calculated. The fact that he's managed well, to pack a bag, put the body in the car, I dump, think about dumping the phone in a different place, yeah, and the clothes and the, yeah. You no, know, I get you.
0: Well, you know, and you touched on an interesting point that we'll um we'll dive into in a bit as well. So Ross is captured walking off down the road, and he orders the taxi to take him home, and he gets the taxi to drop him off just 100 yards down the road from his house. But he has plenty of time to make it home before uh, his parents arrive home from their their party. So at 11.27 that evening, Ross leaves a voicemail on Megan's phone, which was played during the trial. Basically, I'm just going to read that out to you now. So, hey up, babe, it's Ross. Just worried about you. You haven't rang back or, you know, text me or anything. It's probably nothing. Probably fell asleep. I'm just worried, that's all. I had a fun time earlier. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow. Love you. Oh, I didn't just say that. Oh, fuck. Um. So obviously that's me reading at his, his text. It, um, his voicemail, it was obviously more easy breezy than that. But that's also on YouTube. And personally, like, when I listen to that, crazy how calm he is. Bearing in mind, three hours earlier, he's running about all over the place, getting rid of a body.
1: We'll, if you like, we'll pop a recording of that in now.
0: Yeah, so perfect. See,
1: so everyone can hear it right now.
0: Hello, babe, it's Ross. Um, I'm just worried about you. If you haven't rang back or, you know, text me or anything. Um, I no, know, it's probably nothing. Probably friends dead or he fell asleep. But, uh, yeah, I'm just worried, that's all. I had a fun time earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Love you. Now... This is where it gets worse yet again. Shortly before he left that voicemail, Ross's internet search history shows him Googling the for how to tell a girl that you love her. And then, after he left the voicemail, so after he used Google to understand how to leave that voicemail, his next Google search is for serial killers.
1: Oof. Oh. And then... He he likes what he did then.
0: Absolutely. But not only that, further searches linking specifically to Levi Belfield, Peter Thutcliffe, and Ian Huntley are made.
1: There you go. He's crossed that line, hasn't he? He's probably just thinking, yeah, wow.
0: Honestly. And, like, don't get me wrong. I know there's an algorithm in Google, like, just firing out, well, you must, you know, how to tell a girl that you love her Serial killers. Oh, you might like these criminals because they killed women. Um, but ah, oh, what? Like, what the fuck again? <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry about all the swearing.
1: It's a weird algorithm, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Google's yeah got a lot to account for. Originally, Oops. I wasn't. I was going to keep this part out as it's really tasteless. But I promise, I'm not sensationalizing it. And it was a crucial part of the prosecution's evidence. So when officers originally called Ross, as they understood he was the last person known to see Megan alive, he confessed that whilst it sounded a bit creepy, he'd sent Megan approximately 15 WhatsApp messages since they'd met on Friday night, and he was actually really concerned about her. But when they went on to investigate him, without him knowing, obviously, and they connected the timing of the messages he was sending and his internet history, they found that he had been texting her both after and whilst he was watching pornography. And that, those 15 messages were sent throughout the evening, as in the late night, yeah, post midnight, right through to early morning. So he'd had a good while on the internet and he was continuously watching porn whilst texting Megan, telling her how worried he was. And like, to me, this is purely my thoughts, but is he sexually aroused by what he's done to Megan? I don't don't know.
1: (laughs) It sounds like it. I I was just thinking... That's quite a long Thomas tank, isn't it? But um,
0: <laughs> well, but
1: it, it, it sounds like it, yeah.
0: If a man's impotent in front of women, you know, probably makes the most of his time with himself, doesn't he?
1: he no, but you think about it. If he's saying he's, he's, basically googling how to guys and how to do it again, um, or maybe how not to get caught, how they get caught. Yeah, obviously, the power, what he did turned him on, hasn't it?
0: Mm, Getting to him, absolutely. Mm. And during the trial, he laughed in the witness box after he admitted watching the porn, uh, because obviously the prosecution brought it up, and he said it was a safety blanket. It made him feel better for a short period of time, but he knew how bad it made him look. Like, the fact that he was chuckling in the witness box, just... So yeah. to summarize, his internet history just after killing his girlfriend is how to tell a girl that you love her, then serial killers, and then like I said, I'm guessing Google did some sort of weird guesswork and gave him some suggested content on, you know, some some of the most awful humans out there. And then when you piece that all together, the prosecution were heavily relying on the fact that this wasn't gonna be a one-off case and if he had not been caught, it was highly likely he would have gone on to kill again sounds if he'd like have it. gotten away with her murder.
1: Yeah, sounds like it.
0: And like this part is like, I've, I'm going to go completely off piece here, but there are some pictures of his room which were taken at the time of his arrest, and he lives in an absolute shithole. Like, so his mum's house, like from the photos, fairly well put together, you know, typical family home, but his room, Stained mattress, drink hands all over the floor, dirt, cigarette butts, clothes, just crap everywhere. It's disgusting. Like, I, I've included a picture for you to post. Like, and then on top of that, his mom actually testified against him at the trial. So wow. normally ever, yeah. And I thought, like, this was an important part to add because it really, like, it's not often you, you hear that, isn't it? But Yes, she said, she said all he ever did was drink Coke, smoke, and watch porn. He lived in Squalor in her home, and she said he was a complete loner. So when your mom, your mum own mum doesn't even have your own back when it comes to a character witness, like, what does that tell you about him?
1: What does it also tell you about him that his mum knows that all he did was watch porn?
0: I know, I know. And, like, I was, yeah, I try not to hone in on that. God, I hope her room was nowhere near him um okay so back to the case the prosecution were unable to determine the exact time of death but they know that megan died at some point between her arrival at 10 past eight and her departure at 8 50 and that she was strangled to death in the living room of the mccullums family home the prosecution argued that he killed her as he was embarrassed about his impotence that evening and he feared that megan may go on to tell others at work or her own friends of the incident They told of how she put up a strong fight as she was covered in bruises and marks from her shins to the top of her head. And that he'd actually ripped off her Fitbit during the altercation too. And that was actually recovered from like underneath the television on the other side of the room. Ross had then tried to clean up the crime scene with his mum commenting that there was a wet patch on the floor where he claimed to have spilled coffee earlier in the evening. And that there were also marks on the wall but it was late when she returned home and ha- he wasn't behaving suspiciously at all. He was very calm, very normal. Like There was no alerts for her anyway, so she thought nothing of it and just went to bed. Wow. At the trial, the only thing that prosecutors suggested played in his favour was that he had he have not confirmed the location of the body, she may not have been found for weeks or potentially months.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not saying much when that's the only thing in your favour, is it?
0: I know, I know. And I think, again, like how often do we hear of killers holding that over their victims' families?
1: Yeah, it's a power thing, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, obviously, like I said, there's that body cam footage where he whispers, like, some of it's inaudible, so it's it's a tricky one too to put out there. But yeah, he, he does whisper where where he's dumped her body. However, the officers claim that when her body was located and this is a direct quote, her hair was so saturated in blood that it appeared as if she was a redhead. Wow. And I actually remembered this case from the reporters on the news stating that. And at the time I thought, wow, like the details of her death obviously hadn't been disclosed. I like her throat had been slashed and her boyfriend had killed her. But I recall being really shocked by that information that was on the news. Just that the sheer violence she was met with prior to her death, like
1: that
0: her her hair was saturated and that she looked like a redhead. I just think that's such a brutal level of detail, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of the case that we covered with Adam, where um, they found a woman naked and the people found her thought that like she was wearing a red dress but it was her own blood yeah it's and that stuck with me Yeah, it does doesn't it? because you just think that must be so like yeah no i get i get exactly where you're coming from
0: so during the trial the jurors were shown hundreds of whatsapp messages that had been exchanged between megan and ross many of which showed McCollum expressing his fears of sexual inadequacy again that completely plays into you know his Worry of his impotence, the fact that he'd purchased this medication off of the internet, and during one sexual fantasy, something that stood out for me was that he made Megan address him as Lord Commander. What the hell is that about?
1: Oh come on, yeah, that's obviously again a gain of power thing. It's really, oh. really weird, but yeah, I guess. I
0: mean, I, I'm not entirely sure why so. that didn't ring alarm bells for him and go, do you know what, mate? Enough's enough,
1: but. If we actually though, if we have any Lord Commanders listening to us, don't take offense.
0: I did say I'd come back to those erectile dysfunction tablets. So the jury well, why not, yeah. Jury also heard how he'd been diagnosed with ADHD just two years before he killed Megan. And he was actually on medication for that, but in the weeks leading up to her death, he'd stopped taking it as he believed it hindered his sleep and his sex drive. So to counteract that, that's why he'd ordered the pills online to get help him get things back to normal
1: adhd doesn't turn people into killers or does it
0: adhd doesn't medication medication might yeah suppress your mood so obviously in that comes like sex drive the you know the ability maybe to sleep as well maybe a bit of insomnia as well but you're right, not taking the tablets then doesn't lead him to kill. Like, he's only got himself to blame for that. Yes. So a supervisor at their place of work had said that he was able to clearly detect when McCollum had not taken his medication as he became loud, snappy, inappropriate and vulgar. Inappropriate. Basically, yeah, Yeah. like one of the lads, right? Um. But yeah, all of the things you definitely don't want in a colleague or a boyfriend. So it's starting to make sense why perhaps Megan didn't want to introduce him to her parents, or at least you know allude to the fact she was seeing him. Maybe whilst he was trying really hard to like put on a show and keep up appearances, she might have seen a glimpse of him. Um, obviously not the fully the full, the full thing because she would have run for the hills. But maybe she saw something that she wasn't quite sure about before that night, that that yeah. cautioned her to not alert her parents to the fact she was with him.
1: Was this the first... You might not know the answer to this. Was this the first time that they had got together to be intimate?
0: No. He claims... Obviously, it's his word against the victim. She's no longer with with us. But he claimed to have um, only like had sex with her in the car um, near near their place of work. Um, by lake um but he did have what his colleague deemed to be inappropriate pictures of her on his phone so photos that she had shared but photos that he had taken I don't know whether they were you know n- known to megan but yeah he he would at times and this is perhaps explains the vulgar part he would show his colleague at work who he worked with in the lab um the, yeah. the photos That's of that her, one, isn't like it? No, and you know he would also disclose like about their intimate um That's not details right there. Yeah, it's not right, is it? Even um,
1: like, even um, a person who doesn't kill or abuse doesn't have the right to do that, male or female.
0: No, absolutely not. And uh, and I think that I mean, there's a big case in in the news at the minute, isn't there? About um um a lady by the name of Georgia who was filmed during sex consensual sex with her then boyfriend, she told him to remove the video and he didn't and uploaded it instead on the internet and he's just been um sentenced, hasn't he, for the crime. Um
1: If if he did that before she asked him, I mean after she asked him then, then fair play, that's a crime. In England that's a crime, isn't it? In Ireland yeah, it is, it is um, now. So, yeah. so yeah, if if it's obviously if it's if I let me clarify that if he uploaded it without her express permission. Yeah, absolutely. Which he did
0: ask and she said no.
1: Then and he still yeah. did it anyway. There you go then.
0: And, um, and you he, know, how,
1: how long did you get? I hope you got a long
0: time. Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it is, it's quite fresh in the, in the press. Um, so, so yeah, I think, um, I think to be honest, you know, even if those photos were taken consensually, they were for his eyes, and unfortunately, because it was a photo that was flashed up on his phone to his colleague, it's it's his word against theirs, like of whether that even occurred. Um, you know, but it's it's not, you know, it's not not great for her, is it? Because if those photos are taken, they are for one person's eyes only, not for other people to to
1: see. Oh, what's his colleague gonna do? Go to HR when she's HR? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, but- it's.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, it's a tricky one. The trial concluded on Monday the 12th of December and the jury took just 90 minutes to find Ross McCollum guilty of murder.
1: Not to priority it for that long, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, so on Friday the 16th of December at Leicester Crown Court, Ross McCollum was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 23 years, which I thought was quite poetic given our victim herself was 23 at the time of her death. She was actually murdered just six days before her 24th birthday. So I thought I'd end the episode with an excerpt from the victim impact statement read by Megan's sister, Claire Newbra, as these words really hit me. I feel like I could have known a Megan. I feel like we all might have a Megan in our lives at this minute. She just seems so wonderful and loving and caring. She was only 23 with a whole life ahead of her. She was just trying her best to find someone to love and enjoy her life with. And in the victim impact statement her sister's words were so relatable like she commented at one stage about how megan hated the cold and the one thing that broke her every single day was that megan was just left out in the cold um you know for 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 24 hours and you know that that would break anyone wouldn't it yeah yeah so yeah definitely Though Megan's loss is so profound, words cannot begin to describe the emptiness we feel as a family. We've been given a life sentence and one that we will never recover from. Megan was the glue that kept our family together. Megan was always there to offer support and would have helped anyone that needed it. She was a sensitive soul and all she ever wanted was to be loved. The thought of that evening will stay with us every day for the remainder of our lives. The inhuman action of the defendant such a beautiful human being, is something we cannot fathom and will remain with us forever. The pain and agony she must have suffered throughout her last minutes of her life is unimaginable. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that case, um, I probably would have known this case, but I've not looked at much news over the last few weeks, and obviously um, it only came out, what, like eight days ago, so... But yeah, no, it's crazy. I'm looking at a picture of Megan now and I get what you're saying. She looks just like... Don't those like, really happy-go-lucky, really nice people that you know. She looks just like one of those. Maybe it's just me projecting after what you've said onto her image. I don't know, but um, I think that while it was horrible what happened to her, We've got to be thankful that he didn't have more intelligence, so he couldn't do this again. That yeah, he, and he, he made was... enough mistakes to be caught.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say naive enough to think that the actions that he took that evening, that were you know, were foolproof, but absolutely not. And just to just to also kind of add, personally, this case was um, one that I um, read a lot about. It happened only eight weeks after Sarah Everard went missing wow. um, and almost the day. So, in fact, I think it was because I think, well, no, I think Sarah Everard went missing midweek and this was a Friday night. Um, but yeah, she went missing in June, early June. Um, and obviously, Megan um, was early August. And um, I, at the time, unfortunately, there was post, post, Case there was a lot of press because both girls were blonde, both girls were young, both girls were photogenic. You know that's yeah. why they featured heavily on on Britain's newspapers. But and I you know I absolutely agree there are so many crimes that should be headline news and front page that get that don't get the attention. But uh, but yeah, at the time this was like heavily featured, and I I remember yeah just looking at pictures of her and you know same with Sarah Everard of uh, of knowing you know immediately i've got a friend that looks just like her or i've got yeah. a friend that would would be just like her and yeah and then that it becomes very relatable doesn't it when you yeah
1: wow yeah that's a um poor woman poor megan and,
0: and luckily like... ross is behind bars I was actually surprised that this man held down this job as a lab technician in, in this, like, clay and brick factory of, you know.
1: It's hard to lose a job once you've been in it enough time, isn't it?
0: Well, is it, though? Like, you know, I hear of others who work for these companies where there's, like, you know, you're a bit weird or whatever, you've got the sack. Listen, I've just sent you a picture on Slack, which I want you to add. That's his That's his bedroom.
1: You see, it's a crime. What he's done to his Xbox server. Um, look at the state of that mattress. It's black.
0: Uh-huh. Imagine, obviously you're not going to keep this part in, but imagine you're, you're going to your boyfriend's house.
1: No wonder and they he stay downstairs. You yeah, he wouldn't be right next to the bedroom, would he? Um, it's
0: grim. It's so grim.
1: So, yeah, that's the disgusting. I'll pop that up on our social media, medias. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, let us know what you think of it, people.
0: And so for one last time today, I'd like all of you to relax, to close your eyes and picture the scene. You've just met a new man at work. You're buzzing with excitement at the thought of seeing him every day. Things seem to be going really well. But he's hiding a dark secret. And we'll go to any length to keep it that way. Okay, guys, that's it from us.
1: Thank you, Rachel. I, as much as you can, I enjoyed that. I always like listening to you do a case. Um, because you do it so well, so I'm happy when you do. Um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a happy holidays, everyone. Eat too much um, and spend time with your family and loved ones
0: absolutely spend time with your loved ones yeah and yeah eat every thing that you can that you want to that's inside Mm -hmm.